Turn in your Bibles to the book of 2 Kings chapter 4. 2 Kings chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible, we'll grab a Bible for you. Just raise your hand and we'll make sure you get one. 2 Kings chapter 4. Old Testament. If you're in the book of Genesis, keep going. Get past those first five books. Get the first and second Samuel, first and second Kings. Second Kings chapter 4. A lot of times, God gives us what we don't expect. No doubt about it, Kathy. Um, because he knows there's something greater that he wants to have in store for us with what he's given us. We think, God, I wanted this and you gave me that. That doesn't make sense. He's always got something good for us. Always. Second Kings chapter 4, starting in verse 1. Let's read this. One day the widow of one of Elisha's fellow prophets came to Elisha and cried out to him, My husband who served you is dead, and you know how he feared the Lord. But now a creditor has come threatening to take my sons, my two sons, as slaves. What can I do to help you? Elisha asked. Tell me, what do you have in the house? Nothing at all except a flask of olive oil, she replied. And Elisha said, Borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors. Then go into your house with your sons, shut the door behind you, pour olive oil from your flask into the jars, setting the jars aside as they're filled. So she did as she was told. Her sons brought many jars to her. She filled one after another. Soon every container was full to the brim. Bring me another jar, she said to one of her sons. There aren't any more, he told her. And then the olive oil stopped flowing. When she told the man of God what happened, he said to her, Now sell the olive oil, pay your debts. There'll be enough money left over to support you and your sons. What an incredible story. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what an awesome God you are. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the many truths we find in your word. For the encouragement that it brings for the opportunity for your spirit to speak to our hearts, to stop us in our tracks when maybe our thinking has been off track and you pull it back on with your truth. Lord, we ask for your spirit today to speak to us through your words, to understand what we are to do with the scripture, what we are to do in our lives as believers in Christ. I thank you, Lord, for this moment to worship you through truth. In the name we pray, amen. You know, I'm reading this scripture, and, and uh, as, you, as you read this story, it's one of those another awesome miracles of Elisha. Matter of fact, this chapter has four different miracles. One that I would love to get to, but I know I'm not going to get there today. But it was about a mom who really wanted to have a baby. Couldn't have babies. And then Elisha comes along and blesses her. She has a baby. But then she loses that child. One of those things like, God, you, where, this doesn't make sense. I thought, I needed something. You didn't give it to me. Then you give it to me, and then you take it away. And then Elisha brings this baby, this child, back to life. An incredible story. Love to get to that one, okay? But this is the first of four incredible miracles that takes place in chapter 4. Here's your assignment for the rest of the day. And your discipleship partners, you thought, well, we're done with that, right? No, it could be anybody in the church. It can be your discipleship partner. It could be anybody else in the church. Ask him later on this week, hey, did you read the rest of chapter 4? Talk about it, okay? But let's focus on this one story, this widow 
Um, look how she starts this off. Elisha comes in and she comes to Elisha and basically says this. Hey, Elisha, I want to tell you something here. My husband, okay, now check this, what, uh, what she says, who served you is dead. You know, the one who feared the Lord. She made two points there to Elisha. My husband was a godly man. He served under you, the same God, and he feared the Lord. Translation, my husband's dead, and he was a good man. He was a godly man. This doesn't make sense that he would leave so soon and leave myself and my sons with no father. Come on. Why is that happening? Two points. He served you, feared God. Wow. Then she goes on to say, but here's the situation. Now creditor has come, threatening to take away my sons as slaves. So you have this woman, she's widowed. Her sons um, now and her have nothing. They owe this debt that can't be paid because their husband's now gone. Now, according to the uh, Mosaic law, he is in this legal system, which is in Israel, which is true and correct. If you can't pay your debt, then your two sons will now go become the slaves of the one you owe and pay off the debt as long as it takes. Okay. So she had to give up her sons as indentured servants to the creditor. And as inhumane as that sounds, that was the law. Okay, that was the law. Now, unfortunately, this woman's creditor was not acting in the spirit of God's law, which would have been, you know what, you owe me. By law, I can take your sons and pay off, but out of the grace of God, I could just forgive your debt and you keep your sons. That would be the spirit of God's law, but it didn't happen. Okay? So in this situation, Elisha shows some compassion. What does he do? Look at verse 2. He goes, well, what can I do to help you? Again, that situation for us as people of God, to be able to sit there and say, when somebody's in need, that should be the first thing that comes out of our mouths. What can I do to help you? What can I do? Elijah said this. Elijah asked, and she said, um, well, let me think about it. And before she can say anything, what does he say? Tell me what you have in your house. What do you have laying around? What's going on in your house? You know what her answer was? Nothing at all. I've got nothing. All I've got, matter of fact, is just this little flask of oil, small container. Okay? Um, when we talk about a flask of oil, it was not a big jar. It was not a big pot. It was a small jar. Elisha said, this is what I want you to do. Borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors. Okay? Sometimes, I want to stop here. Sometimes when you look at God's Word, just sort of stop and pause and think about what it's saying. Because when God says, what do you have in your house? I've got I to ask two questions of myself. What do I have in my house? What do I have in my physical home that's going on that I can give to God? And what do I have in this home? This is this temple of God, right? Do you not know that your body is the temple of God? Okay, so I've got two houses, a physical one and this one here. So I've got to ask myself a couple questions, first of all, before I read any further. What do I have here in a home that I can give to God? Let me think about that, because that's what the prophet said, right? Okay, now let's read on. As, you, as you're sitting here looking at this, there was evidence um, that this small flask of oil was all she had. So she looks around. Elisha made this woman then commit herself in faith to God's provision. He told her to go borrow as many vessels as you can from your friends and neighbors. Get out there, start looking around. 
Go to every door. Knock. Hey, do you got any jars that I could borrow? Hey, you got any vessels I could use to pour into? Hey, you know, just going up door after door after door. Now, this is sort of invites awkward um, questions, doesn't it? If you're at home, your neighbor comes up and says, do you have any empty jars I can borrow? What's your first thought? What's your first reaction? What do you need it for, right? Wouldn't that be sort of your question? Or do you just, maybe some of you are just so neighborly, you don't even ask. You just, yeah, come on in, let me get it for you. Typically, though, somebody comes by and wants to borrow something. Oh, sure, what you need it for? Okay. What does she have to say? Um, well, this man of God is at my house right now, and he told me to go borrow as many jars as possible. Oh, now, don't you think that's going to strike up a conversation? I think if Mark Cahill was here right now, he'd say, oh, run with that conversation, right? Let's, let's see what we can share about God through this conversation. See, we get to do those kind of conversations all the time. When I, when I go out to maybe raise uh, money for the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, it always starts a conversation. Hey, let me tell you about what's going on. And this is why I'm asking for this. There's always a conversation that follows. People wonder, what are you doing? Why, why, why are you asking for something? Let me tell you what God's doing in my life right now and why I'm asking. You have the opportunity to share the love of God. So as we look in the scripture here, as one author said, she had the opportunity to now go out, not just borrow things from people, but to share that something was brewing with God. Okay? One author says this, You have God in the measure in which you desire him. Only remember that desire that brings God must be more than a feeble, fleeting wish. Wishing is one thing. Willing is quite another. Lazily wishing and strenuously desiring are two different postures of mind. The former gets nothing, the latter gets everything. Gets God, and with God that all he can bring. You hear what I'm saying? I wish I had more vessels. No, you know what? I'm going to go ask and get more vessels. Wishing and willing were two different things here. Okay. Look at verse 4. Then go into your house with your sons, shut the door behind you, pour that olive oil from your flask into the jars, setting each one aside when it's filled. Verse 5. So she did as she was told. Her sons kept bringing jars to her, and she filled it one after another after another. Look at verse 6. Soon every container was full to the brim. Let me hear you say every container. One more time. Every container. Let me hear you say full to the brim. Now say it like you love it. Full to the brim. There you go. Thanks, Roger. See, I'm telling you, man, passion right there. We read Scripture and we're like, and then they filled every container full to the brim. Yay. Let's read on. Are you serious? Did you just see what happened? This woman lost her husband. She's got two sons. They're going to be sold off to slavery. Put yourself in a situation, people. You lose your spouse, you're going to lose your kids. You have nothing. All you got is a little bit of olive oil. And the man of God shows up at your house and says, go borrow all the vases and, and jars and anything you can find that you can. How about you bring my husband back, keep my kids here, and give me a job? No. All right. So you go out and you find all these empty jars. You bring them in. Your house is full. You shut the door. You start taking this little flask of olive oil. Pour, pour, pour. Hey, uh, that pot is full. Pour, pour, pour. That one's full. Get this one next one. Get it over here. Okay, here you go. Hey, it's still coming out. Are you kidding me? How's it filling up these jars? And it just keeps going and keeps going. Now, if I were to demonstrate that to you and fill up this whole stage with jars, you would be amazed. We'd be selling tickets and having a sideshow, wouldn't we? 
Isn't that? And you'd be saying, wow, God is good. But we read the scripture and we sat there and say, yeah, what next what? What's next? Are you serious? God is good. Amen? So we read this. Man, say it, man. Full to the brim. That's incredible. Elisha told this woman, take all she had. This is all she had. I hear people say all the time, we got a capital campaign coming. I don't have anything to give to God. I'm giving all I have. Really? Really? I know we got more. Okay? And I, that's not to make you feel bad. I'm just saying, sometimes we don't realize what we have. And we look at other people and we always compare. You know, look at this lady compare. This is all she had. And she gave it to God. And God did something incredible with it. Incredible with it. You ever seen this before in Scripture? You ever seen it before when somebody said, this is all I have, and God says, oh, let me do something with that. Remember feeding of the 5,000? Remember that? Little boy, all I got is just a couple pieces of fish, a couple pieces of bread. And you said, oh, that's all you got? Yeah, that's all I need. Fed over 5,000 plus with that. That's incredible, isn't it? Now, both stories, let me tell you something about both stories, Old Testament and New Testament here. Who did the feeding? Who did the pouring? Did Elisha do the pouring? Was it Elisha said, now give me this flask and let the hands of God take it? Did he do that? Did Jesus said, hey, let me take all this bread and fish and let me go out and hand it out to all 5,000 plus? Did he do that? No. Who did it? The people of God. The woman did it and her sons. The disciples did it with the fish and bread. Sometimes we sit there and think, well, I don't have the degree. I'm not qualified. I'm not the pastor. I'm not the leader. I'm not the director. Of the God says, listen, I'm going to do the work through anybody and everybody that wants to be obedient to me. So he did it through this woman, through the kids. He did it through the disciples. And you notice here what, what happens with Elisha's role was? Elisha's role was, you're going to go do this. He made her do it. Perhaps Elisha was tempted to gather the vessel himself and start pouring, but no. You know what? I'm going to tell you what to do, and you're going to do it. And then he just sort of backed off out of the picture. And it was all God working through that woman and her sons. Beautiful thing. Beautiful thing. He knew that, you know what? She can't trust me. She's got to trust God first. And so she trusted God. And again, I think sometimes too often as coaches, teachers, leaders, we just take care of it ourselves. I mean, it's really easy for me just to go out and do it and take care of it myself. And you know what? Maybe I'm not the one that's supposed to do it. Maybe I'm supposed to be the one that stands up here and coaches you and tells you, let's go do it. And then go ahead, go for it, do it. Maybe that's what's supposed to happen. That doesn't allow those in learning position to experience the lesson to be taught when I decide to do it all myself. But if I let you do it, and you learn it, you experience it, you get to taste and see that God is good instead of me hogging it all. God says, you want to experience my presence? Guess what? You have to be involved. Another thing here I want to point out. These vessels that got brought in for her, were they empty or were they full? On the count of three, give me an answer. Empty or full, Okay. Think about it, think about it, okay? Ready? Let's see how we do, church. One, two, three. Okay. Nice try, Roger. Okay, everybody else was correct, okay? Empty, okay? But at least you shouted out. Again, okay, here, take the risk, right? 
They were empty. They were empty. It did no good to bring the widow full vessels, right? Go out and collect all the full vessels you can so that you can pour this into, oh, that's already full. No, they were empty. Now, why is that key? Because I believe many of us agree that we are so full of ourselves, sometimes we, need, we leave no room for God to come in. I've got so much going on in my life right now. I've got this going, that going on. God says, well, can I come in? And do, no. Well, can I have this party? I can't right now because I got busy with this. Oh, well, let's, let's, let's fast forward to another New Testament story. Mary and Joseph, oh, in a few months we're going to be celebrating Christmas, right? Mary and Joseph, every time they came up to a, a house when they entered Bethlehem, knocking on his door, hey, you got a place for us to say, nope, we're full. Nope, we're full. Nope, we're full. No room for Jesus tonight. Sorry. People missed the opportunity and experience to have Jesus born in their place, in their inn, in their house, because it was just too full. No room. We missed the opportunity, I believe, to meet Jesus in our lives because sometimes we leave no room for Jesus. These vessels had to be emptied. And when the empty vessels were brought to this woman, they were filled. And a lot of times when we come into church on Sunday morning, it's okay to come in here empty. Sometimes people won't come to church on Sunday morning because I just feel so empty right now, so depressed. Well, let me tell you what to do. Come to church and get filled up. Okay? Oh, you're in a perfect position now to receive something from Jesus. When you're broken, when you're hurting, guess what? You're in a perfect position to be fixed, to be healed, and be filled up. Some reason we think, again, I, well, until I get it right with God, I'm not coming. No, this is how you get it right. This is how you find Christ. When you are empty, He is ready to fill you up. You know, as I go around and, and, and speak to different groups and think about things, and there's something, you know, that I shared recently, and I, I, I sort of hit on this uh, last week, but... It was called Weed and Feed, and the message that I was challenging people was this. You want to have a beautiful garden, got to yank the weeds out, right? You, if you want the flowers and the vegetation to grow and the fruits and the vegetables, pull the weeds out. You know, I never understood why my dad made me walk, made me walk the bean fields, okay? When I was, you know, I think it was like he had another job for me and my brother, so it's like, just go walk the bean fields and pull, pull the weeds, get the corn cutter out, and chop down whatever, you know, is growing around those, those beans. So we'd walk up and down these, you know. But what I learned to understand as I got older was the weeds and everything else that grew up in those fields was not good for the rest of the crops. Besides robbing them of nutrition, it really messed up at harvest time. So we'd go out and we'd weed and weed and weed. And then I also watched my dad do this as growing up on the farm is really feeding the crops with fertilizer. Obviously, the rain and the sun, all these things feed in to provide a healthy vegetation, right? We are the same way. This is a garden right here, okay? What kind of weeds are going in here? What kind of weeds need to be plucked out? What are we listening to? What are we watching? Social media is a fun thing, but it is such a weed fest at times. Uh, it gets frustrating. And sometimes you turn on social media and look at it, and all it is, oh, oh, they said that about me, about my team, about this person, about, and all, you know what that is? Weeds, 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 weeds. And God says, forget the weed, bring on the feed. Weed out the junk, feed in the right stuff. And we get God's word and start pouring in here. You start listening to the right music, it starts pouring in here. You start hanging around with the right people in the comments and the encouragement that you get from them, it pours in here. Weed and feed. 
Weed and feed. What needs to be weeded up here? As soon as you pull out those weeds, guess what? Now you have, you're ready for God's Spirit to come in and feed, to fill you up. Empty vessels, empty vessels. Here's something I found interesting. The miracle that was given to the measure of her previous faith in barn vessels, she borrowed enough so the excess was sold, okay? So she sold off all this oil, took care of her debt, and it took care of money then to purchase what she needed and then to take care of her for the rest of her life. Pretty incredible. Incredible, but the thing I was sitting there is the oil stopped flowing when they ran out of containers. Do you realize that? Any more containers in the house? No. Would you, do you think about that point in time her sons thought, I should have went over to Harry's house. I didn't go to that one. I should have gone over to that neighborhood. I should have went to the next town and got more. Because they realized that everything they borrowed was filled. Had they borrowed more, guess what? They would have filled more. Had they borrowed less, guess what? They would have filled less. The amount that came in was the amount according to their faith. Small faith, guess what you get? Small blessings. Large faith, large blessings. This was a proportional type miracle. God's provision was as large as their faith and their willingness to obey. My friends, beware of us limiting God's blessings by our lack of faith and obedience. We need to make sure that our faith, our obedience is so big, so strong that God's blessings is so evident. Now we've got a capital campaign going. And we said, listen, we, we set goals. This is the amount of dollars we want to raise. Okay? Our church has set a goal to raise a million dollars in three years. Now, for those of us that are sitting there saying, I don't know if we can do this. Good. I'm glad you're saying that. My question to you is this. How many vessels are we going to bring into the house? If you don't think we're going to do it, guess what? All you're thinking is this right now. Small vessel can't do much. Listen, that lady had nothing but this. And all she did was be obedient to God, and she went and did what was asked of her. And the next thing you know, the house was full. So, what if we only raise this amount? Why are you thinking that? It's what if? What if you run out of gas today? I think we'll still be okay, right? Well, a million dollars seems like maybe we should lower down the, the goal and bring it down here. Why? If God put upon our hearts to reach a goal, let's go after the goal. Okay? So let's let our faith be reflected in how we obey. As this woman did. Turn with me to the book of Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. In Ephesians chapter 3, Paul is, uh, has this incredible prayer. He had been talking about in the earlier part about how God's secret, secret plan had been revealed. How, hey, Jesus Christ came here to this earth to save you from your sins. And he sort of brought this all together. Verse 8 I know I had up here verse 10, but I'm going to start in verse 8. Paul says this, Just think, though I did nothing to deserve it, and though I'm least deserving Christian here <laughs> that there is, I was chosen for the special joy of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. I was chosen to explain to everyone the plan that God, the creator of all things, has kept secret from the beginning. 
So Paul's saying, listen, I'm pretty pumped up. I'm pretty fired here because God gave me the opportunity to tell all of you about Jesus Christ. Jew, Gentile, man, woman, whoever. I can tell everybody about Jesus. Awesome plan, okay? Now listen to what he says in verse 10. God's purpose was to show his wisdom in all its rich variety to all the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly realms. They will see this when Jews and Gentiles are joined together in this church. You know what God uses the church for? To display his wisdom. We get to reflect the wisdom and power of God. Okay? Verse 11. This was his plan from all eternity. And it has now been carried out through Christ Jesus our Lord. Verse 12. Because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now become fearlessly into God's presence, assured of his glad welcome. So please don't despair of what they're doing to me. It's for you that I'm suffering, so you should feel honored and encouraged. Read on, verse 14. When I think of the wisdom and the scope of God's plans, I fall to my knees and I pray to my Father, the creator of everything in the heaven and earth. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, let me hear you say unlimited resources. That's our God. He will give you the mighty inner strength through his Holy Spirit. Verse 17, and I pray that Christ will be more and more at home in your hearts as you trust in him. May your roots go down deep into the soil of God's marvelous love. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how deep, how long, how high, how deep this love really is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it's so great you'll never fully understand it. Then... Then you'll be filled with this fullness of life and power that comes from God. Listen to verse 20. Now glory be to God. By his mighty power at work within us, he's able to accomplish infinitely more than we would ever dare to ask or hope. How dare us as Christians think we can do nothing when through Christ we can do all things. His Spirit empowers us to live in a mighty way for him. When I look at this verse, especially verse 18, and may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should understand, how deep, how wide, how high God's love really is for us. His love is immeasurable. Think about it. May you experience the love of Christ. Though it's so great to understand, I, we probably can't, but I pray you experience this. Look at verse 20. Now, all glory to God. Who's what? Who is able. Let me hear you say, he is able. God is able through his mighty power, not my mighty power, not my, you know, this is what, you know, okay. Through his mighty power, at what? At work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we could ever ask or think. Well, God, I wonder if we can. What do you mean you wonder if you can? Through his infinite power working through us, he can, he will. But here's the problem. Here's the challenge. We think and we act on what we see. We forget that we live by faith, not by sight. I believe that you and I, you know, for this, the matter of spiritual blessings from God, have more to do maybe with, with, with you know, have I prayed this or not? Have I, have I really stepped out of faith in this or not? Sometimes we don't see much because we don't believe much. We don't obey much. But when we believe and when we obey, that's when we see. The oil didn't pour out on the ground, simply just flew about. It was intended for a prepared vessel. Did you catch that? 
It wasn't just, let's see how much oil can get poured out here and fill it up. There was an intended purpose for that oil in that vessel to provide for that whittle. Each vessel had to be prepared and gathered and be assembled. And then it had to be emptied by that family and then by being put in the right position and staying in the right position. When there was no more prepared vessel, the oil stopped. I think about the principle of this miracle, very similar to the principle of last week's sermon with digging the ditches, right? I'm going to dig these ditches in the middle of the desert. <laughs> not a rain cloud in sight. And you want me to dig ditches. Seven days I've not had a drink of water. You want me to go do manual labor all day long. Dig ditches? Really? Oh, they dug ditches. And what happened? Rain came and just filled those ditches their faith to do something incredibly different. Why would I do this? Why would I go find an empty vessel so I could dump this into an empty vessel? That doesn't make sense. A lot of times maybe God's commands don't make sense, but what he does with them is incredible. You know, this past week, um, I met up with a, a couple ladies who were very excited about their saying basically this. They've got an idea of taking the empty jars in their life and filling them up. And they called me up and, and, and basically said, hey, can we meet with you and talk to you about the capital campaign? It's like, sure. And I'm sitting there thinking, oh, they must be on one of the committees. They're not. Okay. And um, I thought, well, they must be knowing I'm preaching on. They didn't. Okay. So we sat down and very simply is this. They said, no, we're not on a committee. We just, we just want to help for the church. We want to help the church raise money in this capital campaign. Really, what's your idea? Okay, let's check this out. They have an online uh, garage sale going. Basically, they're just taking the stuff in their house like a garage sale, but they're doing it online. And between the two of them, they had made over probably $1,500 in a month. And some of us are like, I can't make 15 bucks at my own garage sale, right? Okay. And then they're like this. This is what we're going to do. We're just going to offer it up to the church. The church has any items they want to put in this garage sale. Maybe this week it'll be boys' clothes, next week it'll be girls' clothes, household, whatever it be. Just bring them, drop them off. We'll put out a table out front, and they will take those items, and they'll put them on the online garage sale and sell them off, give money to the capital campaign. And if their two families can make that much money in a month, what could a church family do in three years? Oh, they were all fired up. They had spreadsheets and all kinds of ideas, and I'm thinking, they're like, what do you think? I'm sitting there going, Wow. <laughs> That's way cool. I don't, I don't know what to say, except thank you for taking your empty jars and bringing them to God. Thank you. I, that, I, to me, that was exciting. They shared that idea, and I just think they were just passionate about it. And I'm sitting thinking, thank you for that. I mean, you know, I, maybe I didn't express my gratitude to them enough, but they were excited about it. There's passion there. Sometimes I think we forget that it's okay to be passionate for God. You know, I, you know, and I, I talked to my son, I asked him, I said, can I, can I share this story? And he said, yeah, go for it. Because I'm going to tell you about the, the, the passion of my youngest son, Clay, okay? He was running for student council a couple weeks ago, okay? Now, understand this. My two oldest sons do not like to do what I do, stand up and get in front of people, okay? They purposely mess up on their spelling bees so they wouldn't have to get up in front of people, okay? Spell water, W-A-T-E-R-E. -E. Nope, oh, too bad, all right. Um, I don't know if that was the word they had to spell. But anyway, they purposely messed so they didn't have to do that. Clay, on the other hand, hey, I'm running for student council. This was his speech. I asked him if I could read it. Here it goes. Are you feeling down in a the dump? Then vote for Clay Stump. 
That's how I started it. Hi, I'm Clay Stump, and I'm running for student council. If you vote for me, I'll give out ice cream bars every day for lunch and a movie every week. But I can't do that, and neither can any of the other student council members. But I can and will encourage you throughout the day. I'll be honest with you. I'll answer your questions the best way I can. I will always be, do my best to help you with the stuff that you need help with. I'm Clay Stump, and I approve this message. Okay? And then he closed off his speech with this. To close my speech, I'd like to say, hey, 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 vote for Clay. Okay? Now, if you're a Fat Albert fan, it would have been, hey, 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 vote for Clay. Okay? But it, he couldn't say it like that, so he said it the way he did it. But he did make a poster with a picture of Fat Albert on it. Okay? It said, hey, 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 vote for Clay. Of course, all the students were like, why are we voting for that kid? No. Does, he, does he go to the school? Um, but anyway, he was so excited. He came home that he said, hey, I, I got elected. I was so excited. I got elected. And he came home. Then he came home the next, uh, the last week and said, hey, I, I got voted out of the, the third, fourth, and fifth grade student council. They have a president and vice president. I got voted vice president out of the whole student council now. He was so pumped, so passionate. Now, I share that with you because here's a child that's passionate. Do you ever notice how children are passionate and excited? If you did a pep rally, I do this all the time. When I go to schools and I have a chance to talk in front of an elementary crew, this is the way it works. All right, kids, are you excited to be here? These kids, why are they screaming? Because I said, I want to hear you scream. That was it. There's nothing about it. They had a contest to see who could be the loudest for no reason at all. Okay? You go to a high school pep rally. You've got a big game coming up. All right, let's hear you guys. And here's the high school students. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go. Ooh, crank it up, whatever. Okay. What, where, where do we lose the passion? At what point in stage in life do, do we lose this passion, this excitement, this zeal for life? I mean, what, what caused us to all of a sudden just sort of crumble and did some, maybe something happen? Maybe we were robbed of the joy or something in our life happened, and all of a sudden we're just not as passionate as we used to be. I don't know if you knew this, but when Jesus Christ, remember a few sermons ago, we talked about when Jesus came in, there was the fig tree, and he cursed the fig tree. Why was that? Because there was leaves, but no figs, false advertising. And then he walked away from that fig tree, walked into Jerusalem, and took the temples, and, and, and tossed the tables, and the money changers, because here's in the temple, but there's no worshipers, false advertising, no fruit, a lot of leaves, just like that. whole point of that, he was very passionate because he wanted to see fruit in the lives of people, and he's not seeing it. And that made him upset. Jesus was passionate. My question is, where's our passion? Where's our passion? You know, we, we have this uh, thing. I think sometimes it's just easier just to sort of kick back. And I saw this poem written. It says this. It's called It's Easier. It's written by an unknown author. It's easier to settle for average than strive for achievement. It's easier to be saturated with complacency than stirred with compassion. It's easier to be skeptical than successful. It's easier to question than conquer. It's easier, easier to rationalize your disappointments than realize your dreams. It's easier to belch the baloney than bring home the bacon. I thought that was pretty interesting. And then Herman, uh, I'm sorry, Howard Thurman said this, don't ask what the world needs. Ask what makes you come alive and then go do it. Because what the world needs is people who've come alive. I like that, but you know what that reminded me of? It reminded me of Scripture. Colossians 2.13. You are dead because of your sins, and because of your sinful nature has not yet been cut away. Then God made you what? Alive with Christ. Let me hear you say alive with Christ. 
forgave all of our sins. So I think about like this woman in the Bible story. We have to ask, God, how can I look at my house right now, in my home, my life, and give more to you? Okay? Have you asked that question? Or are you just sort of, oh, I'm sort of kicked back on this one. Have you prayed about it? Have you seriously sat down in the presence of God, thanking him for every single thing in your life, and then saying, all right, God, what can I do for you now? What can I give to you now? How can I serve you now? I'm going to ask Rhonda Borton to come up here. She's in charge of our prayer team for the capital campaign. She's going to tell you real quick. Uh, do you have a mic? See, what did we do with that mic? Back over here. I'm going to have Rhonda share about the about the prayer breakfast coming up and the prayer campaign because here's the thing, for God to work through us, to be passionate about this, it starts with prayer and saying, God, I need to empty a lot of stuff in here. What do I need to empty so you can fill me up and put me in the right direction? And it starts with prayer. So, Ron, if you share about the, what your role is in the prayer campaign and the breakfast, and then the worship team, why don't you go ahead and come on up while she's sharing. Go ahead. Well... Rex doesn't know what he's asking for. But this morning, I love the message. And you know what it says to me? Little is much when God is in it, right? Little is much when God is in it. And I kept thinking, what, what might God be asking of us? What might he be asking us to step out in faith and do? What are you willing to give to him? Do you remember what he asked Abraham to give? He asked him to give Isaac, his son. Would you be willing to do that? Would you be willing to lay out what God asks? I don't know what he's asking you to do today, but I want to tell you how much I believe in prayer. I was raised in a house that prayed. My dad prayed. My mom prayed. We prayed. And one of the first things that I remember really, really, praying about was in 1969 when my mom was diagnosed with a brain tumor. I was 15. I'd prayed all my life, but I prayed really hard then. And I know my dad prayed so hard. 69, she had six kids all under the age of 16, youngest being four. Our church prayed. We all prayed. Do you know when she died? She died in 2001. She just didn't have made it that far. I wish I could tell you all the stories um, in Mike and my life where God has answered prayer. He answered prayer when our son was not quite three and he drank liquor brunch, almost died, but he didn't. We prayed. When Tara was almost three, they thought that she had leukemia. We prayed. She didn't. One of the big challenges for Mike and I to pray together, something we didn't know how that we were going to accomplish, was in 2009. His brother died, and there wasn't money there. And you know, when, when someone dies young, you're so unprepared. You don't have all the things that you need money for. And one of the things that there was no money for was a grave marker something so simple, a grave marker. There was no, mon no money for a grave marker. Sometime, remind me to tell you the story of how that was accomplished. Two years later, there's a grave marker there. 
What stood there before was a wooden cross. All it said was Joe, a great brother. Over and over, God has been so faithful to us. And it's nothing that we've done, nothing special that we've done, that we have prayed. That's what God calls us to do, pray for each other. There's so many needs. We have put these prayer requests out over and over. I wonder how many have come in. Maybe a handful. I don't know. We need more. There are so many things to pray for, church. We need more. Next Saturday, we're going to have an opportunity to meet together. We're going to have a prayer breakfast. We're going to have fellowship. We're going to have worship. We're going to eat together. We're going to pray together. All these cards that have come in, we're going to take them, and we're going to pray for them. We're going to pray over them. You're not going to be asked to step out of your comfort zone and pray out loud and, oh, Lord, look at me. I'm praying for this. Answer my prayer for this card. No, we're going to lay them out, and we're each going to pray over them. God answers prayer. He really does. So whether you can come to the prayer breakfast next Saturday or not, you can be praying. But I would urge you as a church, if you can, come next Saturday to the ministry center. We're going to have a great time. It starts at 8.30 in the morning. I'm not going to keep you there all day. But we're going to grow closer together as a church. We're going to pray. We've got a lot of needs to lift up. What might God be asking you to lay down today? Think about it. As you stand, um, with what's been shared in God's word, um, let's do this. Let's just go to God in prayer before we sing this song of worship, but let's just go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, I just think of through the scripture this morning and just uh, the story of the widow and her sons. Uh, it just started with, with her just, one, coming to you and um, saying, what am I going to do with this situation? And then she had to examine her home. And then she had to be obedient and trust in doing something that seemed ridiculous. So, Lord, I just pray right now for us right here in this, in this room, in this church, for those that are going to listen to this podcast throughout the week and across the state, Lord, I just pray right now we stop and say, God, we need you in this situation. Lord, we can just fill that blank in as we pray to you right now. Lord, then I also sit here and say we need to also come to you and say, God, examine our home. Right here, first our body, our physical body, this temple. What in our life needs to be given to you? Or have we cluttered our life so much we have no room for you? Take this vessel, our life, empty it to you, God. Fill us. Fill us with your spirit. Make us alive. See you in a new way today. That we may trust you obediently and have a ridiculous faith like this woman did. Thank you, God. Thank you so much for the scripture. We ask for your spirit to work in our hearts as we sing this song to you. In thy precious name we pray. Amen.